0: Mm-hmm. What's up, everyone? Uh, as of right now, everyone, is just me, baby. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton in the Suites. Oh, what's up, Rika? How you doing? Happy Wednesday. Couldn't do it yesterday. Uh, had a lot of work going on. It's been a long week already, and we're only at Wednesday how it is being a, being a PMC, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to another episode. Um, this is an interesting topic, at least for me. Uh, and I'm not sure how this one's actually gonna go over, so if you're listening to this later and I'm completely out of line or out of touch or none of this makes any sense, uh just let me know but this is kind of ugh i I don't know if this is gonna be like a i don't know how well let's just get into it, okay, this is basically me coming somewhat to the defense of the professional managerial class. I know, I know like they need any defending and I know I am, you know, I'm an attorney. So obviously at least the kind of work I'm doing right now, I would qualify for that. But I've seen a lot of discourse, uh, and it's it's hard to call twi- like Twitter discourse sometimes because I think I think Rika was right when she was saying that Twitter is a terrible place. <laughs> it's definitely not a good place to get a lot of nuanced uh, a lot of nuanced ideas or a lot of nuanced political discussion. Very, I don't know. It's very anti, almost anti-social in a way. But I've been seeing a lot of discourse on Twitter, especially about uh, criticizing the PMC, uh, some rightfully so, some I don't know if it's quite as rightfully so. Uh, a lot of people, it's its taken up a lot of the discourse right now. Uh, talk about the professional managerial class, whether they are part of any sort of revolutionary movement, whether they should be. Are they all just class traders? Or, you know, where do their their loyalties actually lie? So I wanted to talk about that a little bit and just see what people had to say. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, the professional managerial class, and this is just pulled straight from their Wikipedia, uh, the Wikipedia page on it. It refers to a social class within capitalism that, uh, by controlling production processes through occupying a superior management position, is neither proletarian nor bourgeoisie. So wh- what do we mean by that? Uh, these aren't the typical owners of production, and these aren't the typical wage earning working class who are using those means of productions which are owned, and the value of their labor is being extracted for capitalist. This is sort of people who are in a superior management position who are high wage and uh, high wage earners who whose labor is still being uh, exploited to some extent or another but not nearly to the extent of someone who is working directly with the means of production for the bourgeoisie so it's a a group of middle class professionals that is distinguished from other social classes by their training and education typically businesses uh, or typically business qualifications and university degrees Uh, with occupations thought to offer influence on society that would otherwise be available only to capitalist owners. The professional managerial class tends to have incomes above the average for their country, with major exceptions being academia and print journalism. Womp womp for academia and print journalism. Womp womp to you. Sorry about that. Uh, The term was coined, you don't need a whole history about it, but there are people who characterize the professional managerial class on the left or people on the left who characterize the professional managerial class in uh, basically just shitting on them, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Uh, Catherine Liu has a, – a, I think it's a book called Virtue Hoarders. And she characterized the PMC as white-collar left liberals afflicted with a superiority complex in relation to ordinary members of the working class. And look, she's not entirely wrong, okay? That's a lot of them. Definitely, there's, there's a lot of that energy in the PMC, don't get me wrong. Uh, and then a, a guy named Hans Magnus Eisenberger, or Enzenberger, who I'm not familiar with, uh, has also observed the, quote, characterless opportunism, end quote, of, the uh, PMC's members in reference to it's their constant shifting of allegiances, not only between the leisured and working classes, but also among themselves. Uh, yikes. So uh, safe to say there are a lot of leftists who really don't think much of the PMC. If you listen to revolutionary blackout network, shout out to them. They're really great, but they do tend to really shit on the PMC. They, they talk a lot about the PMC being uh interested in protecting their own positions and not interested in any kind of wider social movement, uh, how you cannot rely on the PMC to, and I'm, I'm generalizing their statements here. So if anyone, you know, if I'm mischaracterizing them, then just take it as a general, these are general statements about the PMC that I've been hearing on the left, not necessarily attributable to uh revolutionary blackout network, but, you know, a lot of people talk about how, uh, you cannot rely on a, class of people whose position is dependent on, or at least their high wage earning is dependent on the continuation of a capitalist system, or at least they're invested in the system as it currently is, right? They're still benefiting from the system as it currently is through their high wage earning. Uh, So those are the major critiques of the PMC. A lot of that is true. And I want to go into some of, the, some of the reasons why, eventually, why I do think, though, that you're going to have a lot of people in the PMC who, to the extent that they can be class traders, may begin to do that. And first, I want to address some arguments that have already been made on this subject. Um, Nicole Ashoff, that's A-S-C-H-O-F-F, uh, has a great article in Jacobin Magazine titled, The Managerial Class Will Never Give Us Socialism. Excuse me. And her article examines the work of uh, Gerard uh, Dumenil and Dominique Levy, and uh, we'll refer to them as DNL. And DNL have a book called Managerial Capitalism, Ownership, Management, and the Coming New Mode of Production. And this book argues that the quest for a working class revolution has basically been in vain, and that the working class won't rise up to bring socialism, and that if anybody is going to save us, it will be the PMC. So doctors, lawyers, bankers, consultants, etc. It's a weird argument. And Nicole, or um, Ashoff, Nicole Ashoff actually acknowledges how weird this argument is, and how weird it is to hear that argument coming from a leftist, but she examines the argument, says it's not without merit. And DNL basically point to a shift in our economy in the last, in the post-World War II years in particular. Uh, And the shift in our economy is one where the degree to which most high earners in modern society, the degree to which they actually earn their wealth or their, their, their funds, their money, uh, before World War II, it was mainly through ownership of the means of production. So anyone who's engaged in like rent seeking behavior, anyone who owns the machines where people work the factories, anyone who owns the companies where, uh, you know, that produce the goods, anyone who owns uh, a whole bunch of houses and is renting them all out. That's all rent-seeking behavior, and that's how the majority of the wealthy people in this country actually became wealthy uh, prior to World War II. So after World War II, you had a higher proportion of the people who are wealthy in this country making their uh, wealth primarily through wage earning. So again, think doctors and lawyers, and then to an even greater level, we're thinking of people like CEOs. Uh you know, executives, Wall Street people, a lot of these people, if you look at some of the CEO salaries, uh, they don't have to really earn, uh, own anything to make their wealth. Um, I don't know what the CEO of Pepsi gets paid, but it's got to be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's up there with like tens of millions of dollars uh, with bonuses and everything included, making that even an even greater amount. Uh, so... DNL, uh, according to Ashoff, say that the managers today, these people who are the CEOs and the PMCs, are more powerful than ever. And they've become a new ruling class that, unlike elites of old, uh, lives primarily on their wages rather than capital. And it's these managers, not the owners, DNL contend, who run the global economy. And if we look at the 20th century overall, it is these high wage earners rather than owners of capital who've seen the strongest gains and just to put a little a point on that last point they've seen the strongest gains that's that's debatable to some extent and we'll get into that a little bit what or a little bit why that is later uh quoting directly from Ashoff's article now she she does not buy this argument that the Uh, PMC is somehow going to swing left. Uh, It's basically a reform, um, a reform argument or like an electoralism argument for uh, taking over the democratic party, right? It's this argument where, Hey, we have all these wage earners here who, if we could swing them left, they already own these parts or they already have a, a disproportionate amount of influence in society now, and then they will change things. And, Nicole Ashoff doesn't buy that, uh, saying, quote, beyond a certain point, the rich will never vote away their wealth and power. When push comes to shove, in the 70s, highly paid professionals knew which side their bread was buttered on. There is no reason to believe that this time around will be different, that the managers will be able to, or choose to, use their position to manage away capitalism. Why would someone making half a million dollars a year side with someone making 30000 a shared belief in meritocracy. And uh, that belief in meritocracy is something that gets discussed throughout the article because D and L contend that because, you know, theoretically, being in this management class and this PMC class is more obtainable just so long as you have these specialized skills, uh, you know, it ends up being more of a true meritocracy, like people who do not inherit their wealth, for example, who do not inherit their status from their parents can raise into the upper echelons of the PMC. And, you know, to some extent, that's, that's my story. That's a lot of, you know, minority stories who go and live the American dream or whatever, and enter into the PMC and now they're making money or whatever. This is kind of what DNL is saying, and how these people can, once they have the reins of the system, can shift it. Uh and again, Ashoff doesn't think that's correct because the, here's the bulk of her point, right? Why would someone making half a million dollars a year side with someone making 30000 And there's a couple of reasons why they might, and at least I think so. And the first is that there's a deeper recognition now of just how much money is taken from all wage owners or wage earners. Uh, whether it's working class or high income earners and put into the hands of owners through rent seeking behavior. The income inequality gap is growing faster than I think ever in American history. And even high wage earners are having their wages leached from uh, these, these uh, more perversive rent seeking type behaviors, right? High college costs, increasing rent costs, medical bills, uh if you look at the housing market right now in America, you have pretty much stagnant house prices. Uh they were rising, but now they're they're either lowering slightly or, sta- or or stagnant, right? They're remaining the same. And excuse me, you have these uh interest rates for a mortgage that just keep climbing. I think we're at, you know, like a year ago, you could get a, a housing uh loan for 2% or 2.25% or something like that. And we're up to 7%. And what does that mean? It means that, you know, if, if you're trying to get a house, your monthly mortgage payments can, which would have been somewhere around $2,000 a month, which is a lot, can be all the way up to $5,000, $6,000 a month. So you really cannot afford to own anything. Uh, and this kind of rent seeking behavior is still fundamentally antagonistic towards wage earners. So while it may be true that more of the wealthy people who are wealthy today earn their wealth via wages, um, the highest quantities of wealth are still being earned from people who own the means of production, from the capitalist class. And the vast majority of these, or a, a, a large majority of these people who are PMCs, but in this like in-between zone, who are earning a high wage, but cannot... Crack the ownership level are basically just uh, their wages are going towards all of these rent-seeking behaviors, so that's one reason why people in the PMC might be inclined to support working-class movements. But I think I think the other ones are more convincing, at least to me. Um, another reason is that it, it's increasingly impossible to ignore how destructive the capitalist modes of production have been to our own planet and to our social fabric. Uh, It's getting to the point to where you even have these populist or so-called populist Republicans, right, who will put themselves out there and say, you know, they take these working class, uh, faux working class stances or these stances where they're even trying to virtue signal to the working class about things like, planned obsolescence or, well, you know, Republicans aren't really doing that much, but, uh, when it comes to planned obsolescence, but if you're a PMC member right now, it's, it's pretty difficult at this point to ignore the fact that we are still creating needless objects to the detriment of our planet for profits. Um, It doesn't really sit right with most people. Who cares if you're a high wage earner if you can't afford the spaceship to get the fuck off the planet once it's destroyed? You know, who cares if you're a high wage earner if there's nothing to build for generations after you or for people after you or there's nothing to – if the wealth that's being generated is still mainly going to the rent seekers and – the expense is the planet's uh, habit- uh, habitability, and uh, the third reason is why I think that you'll have PMC members who are swayable, very much swayable, and who are would be supportive in a revolution. Is because it's a, it's also impossible to ignore how capitalism and the ruling class. Are creating unnecessary international conflicts um, it you know it doesn't really matter again how much money someone is making if the United States is still escalating tensions with Russia and then a nuke drops right um, a lot of the reasons why we have this whole issue with, I mean, a lot of the, you can, and I'm not the best at America's history or world history, really, but you could relate a lot of the current tensions going on today in Ukraine, in, uh, you know, our position in Venezuela, uh, everywhere, really. But Ukraine, let's, let's stick to the Ukraine example. Um, you can look at a lot of why, how Americans sort of imperialism and capitalism contributed heavily to this this conflict escalating to where it's at whether that's the cold war with russia where we we cannot let any sort of communist state succeed you know we're in cuba trying to fuck them up we're putting embargoes on people we're creating these alliances to protect a capitalist way of life from these commies uh that history uh, you know ended up or played a huge role in us founding NATO and continuing to expand NATO and continuing the increase of our militarism, uh, that's not a sustainable system. You know, we cannot, there's literally no way we can continue to exist if we keep going down that route. And I think, you know, if nothing else, self-preservation has got to be a factor. And and it's it's harder and harder to ignore that the current status of the world would be one where uh, any kind of self-preservation without systemic change is impossible. Without substantial systemic change, it's, it's going to be impossible. And I think, look, I... I am not trying to say that the PMC does not deserve to be criticized that we shouldn't be criticizing it but one thing I'm actually really scared of here is this 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 ability that capitalism has to well I, you know I actually have a quote that I think explains my my nervousness here is that capital has the ability to subsume all critiques into itself even those who would critique capital end up reinforcing it instead. Um, and that's actually from a video game, Disco Elysium, which is sick. <laughs> uh, great writers for that game. But I, I I think when I see too much focus on criticizing the professional managerial class, it ignores the fact that that 0.1% that actually owns a means of production is the is a group that is primarily responsible for the state of the world and for the continued uh, transfer of wealth into their pockets from the working class and then the PMC into their own pockets. And by spending too much of our time, critics criticizing, you know. Uh, people who could be a part of our mass movement, we allow those other forces, which are more dominant to continue to fester and work while we create infighting. And again, I'd like to hear people's thoughts on this a lot more because I'm still, uh, you know, I could just be like butt hurt because I'm like, I want to be a socialist too, but you know, um, I, I, I but you know, because I I'm currently working in a PMC position, uh, maybe maybe this is all self preservation. But I honestly I don't think it is. You know, I, I other examples of how capital has this ability to subsume all critiques into itself is you know Catherine Liu is a a Yale graduate, a, a huge critic of the PMC, but she's a professor who is at these very same elite institutions which. Have enormously increased the cost of education through rent-seeking behavior, right? Who those administrative costs, which have been ballooning, are, you know, are are, are still happening. Uh, and you know, even these, when we look at like political commentators who are doing it full time or anything like that, even they are relying on crowdfunding and you know, social media and YouTube and. Growing an audience with a message and sort of like the algorithm and getting the clicks and getting the likes and doing something that ends up feeding that same algorithm, which generates the views, which generates the users, which generates the profits for the companies where they're posting this material, right? So it's almost like the critique of capitalism itself can be a business model and and, and how capitalists, some of the worst of them benefit from those critiques of capitalism on their platforms, right? It's it's a crazy. It, it's it's a, a beast eating its own tail, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the best analogy, but you know, you know what I'm saying. And look, I do think some criticisms of the PMC are a lot more valid than others, right? Uh, criticizing AOC for doing covers in GQ, or especially attending the Met Gala uh, are valid, especially when she's lost in the sauce of her, you know, it looks like she's lost in the sauce of her PMC status while she's not doing her job of representing working class people and pursuing their interests. And that's especially so when, you know, she was absent for some of the Amazon, uh, union drives that were going on during the time, some of that organizing and instead was going to the Met Gala. Um, they probably had better drinks at the Met Gala, I'm sure, but that's not what you're here to do, dude. So yes, I, I agree with those criticisms, but really, I, and the thing that kind of got me thinking about this topic was, you know, there was a, a bunch of people online who were criticizing Cori Bush for writing a book and they were saying, well, what the fuck is she writing a book about? She hasn't done anything and she's a PMC now. She's totally lost her status. And it's like, guys, can we like calm down for two seconds? She was literally, she was like just homeless and it hasn't been too long since she's gotten into Congress and, you know, maybe she has a story. Like I, I, I would like working class people to be able to write books, you know, like that's, it's weird to criticize someone. Like I get it. She's supposed to be representing the people in their interests, but, but why is it that it's almost as if we see these behaviors as like a purity test? And we tend to think that people cannot be down for a real political movement without passing these purity tests. And with that, I I vehemently disagree. Uh, You know, you have your workers, you have the Fannie Lou hammers, you have the, you know, the Fred Hamptons, but then you have the Karl Marx and then you have the Frederick Engels. And, I think, I think it'd be weird if any of us said that Frederick Engels wasn't actually down for a socialist revolution just because he owned textile factories, right? Like it is – there has to be a distinction between how you have to exist within the system as it currently stands and a recognition of NAAA, an effort to actually dismantle the system as it oppresses people. Right there. there It's it's almost as if, you know, if you live in a capitalist system right now and you have to make money to eat because you will not eat, you know, um, for free, there are certain amounts of participation in the system which are necessary. What I worry about is how easy it is for people who do not want a socialist revolution To create infighting by just drawing these lines and creating conflicts between and amongst ourselves so that we can all be bickering at each other while we're not attacking the true enemy. While we're wasting time talking about whether David Sirota is a piece of shit or not or whatever. I, I, you know, frankly, I don't give a fuck. I don't like... is. Is he providing a useful service at times when we need that service? Can we just use the useful part and then forget the fact that it doesn't It really his personal integrity as a leftist doesn't really matter? As long as we're getting to where we need to get, can we just keep our eye on the ball? And that's where I'm worried, because, look, you can make and here's here's a kicker. You can actually make, um, you could probably make a living off of just criticizing people like David Sirota. Uh, I think to some extent, people, you know, uh, there are political commentators out there who their job is really, or their, their niche is just to talk shit about other leftists and their viewers like that. And then they just pay them money. And that's their job. And no one gets healthcare. And nothing changes. And the people who are still benefiting from those algorithms and, you know, the real ownership class is laughing their ass off while it's happening. And preparing their spaceship to leave whenever they destroy the planet. So, you know, I don't know. I'm really interested. What do you think? Do you think... Do you think this is even a topic worth addressing <laughs> because I don't know if it is honestly. I mean, I thought it'd be interesting, but do you think, what do you think of the PMC of the, uh, the kind of infighting that is happening? Is this valid? Is it, is it worthwhile? Um, or are we all just sort of wasting our time? But, uh, I'd love to hear anybody who, uh, feels like calling in or doing whatever, or, Or we can just talk. You know, we can just talk. (laughs) Talk about our day. Talk about uh, what's going on in the world. I mean, I guess I can give a couple more. uh... Oh, here, we got Jonathan. I was actually, I was really hoping you would call in. So this is perfect. All right, Jonathan. uh, Welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn and Sweets. How you doing? Oh, I can't hear you. Can anyone... Can everyone hear Jonathan? Is that? Yeah, you might need to. Jonathan, you might need to update the app and then try calling back in. I think. uh, Because I am not hearing you at all. And I honestly, I can't tell if other people are hearing you. Okay, July says no. Can't hear you. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, let's try again. Here we go. All right
1: All right, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Perfect. all right, sorry i'm in my I'm in my car on my way to meet my parents for dinner, but um, oh, nice yeah i do I do think uh um, you know to, there's a large degree to which too much is is made of it. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, the article you read touched on some interesting points but I don't think those are, uh, an entirely complete picture. It's not all about what you do or how much money you make. And, you know, I think they're like, you touched on a lot of important components to it, but I mean, I think there's a lot of things you have to evaluate. Um, and I do think, and one of the things that, uh, Brianna pushed back on when she was, uh, you know, in that interview with Catherine Lou, uh, was that to a certain degree, like you are going to need a portion of, you know, what is considered the professional managerial class. And when so many people are downwardly mobile and the income divide is now so vast, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that there is a meaningful distinction anymore, even though there probably was when there was still a robust middle class. Yeah, so I probably think, up through the 90s and 2000s, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I, I think
0: there's a lot of truth to that. I, I mean, I will say I find it harder to find as many distinctions between some of the PMC millennials. Uh, I haven't met a PMC general Zer yet, but that's bound to happen at some point. But, um, you know, look, when, when I have a lot of friends who are in med school or went to med school and they're now doctors or some of them are attending, some of them are residents. But when... You hear about the size of the debt that they have. You know, student debt upwards of $500,000. And the fact that they got paid $40,000 a year to work, uh, you know, uh, four months of overnight shifts without any days off for their residency, uh, it's harder to, It's uh, put it this way, whenever you talk to them, all of them are talking about socialism. All of them are talking about how that system is not sustainable how things need to change how they uh, they feel a lot more solidarity with working-class people than they do with the uh, hospital administrators or the the people who are owning the hospital who are working them that hard or the system that makes them basically go into uh, that much debt, or uh, you know, um, get that much debt, and then work for very low wages until they get to a certain point, and then they have to pay all of it back. Right? I mean, it's it's. Uh, but I do think the distinction still matters to some extent, right? I think the the extent to which people can continue to fool themselves into thinking that they are they're part of the the in-club, right? Um, the extent to which people can convince themselves that hey, I'm golfing with the CEO of this company and that means I'm a big shot or that means that I I can actually identify with this guy who owns the stuff. Um, I think there's still quite a bit of that going on. Uh, I, but I do think that's... I mean, that's I know insane. there's a lot of
1: working class people that do that. Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's working class people I know that do that, that have that same kind of weird identification with, uh, you know, the ownership class. Prop- propaganda is certainly a powerful thing, but, you know, at the end of the day, one of the things I keep coming back to is that comfortable people don't revolt. And there's an increasing percentage of people... Uh, in what could be classified as the professional managerial class, uh, like the people you're describing, who are increasingly uncomfortable, and I think it's it's more important to identify the psychology of what makes people uh, feel loss aversion and you know a desire to protect the status quo versus a desire to upend it and start fresh. Um, and you know, I think it's more important to look along those lines and you're not going to find them in kind of neat reductionistic dividing lines like, oh, you're PMC, you're not one of us. And, you know, I, I certainly I agree with, the, you know, exactly what you were saying right before I called in, which is, you know, there's there's, a, you know, not only potential, you know, complete, you know, complete allies in this fight in that grouping. There's also plenty of people that uh you don't have to agree with them on everything. Where they're useful, they're useful, and where they're not, you know, you you part ways, I guess, and and, uh let a thousand flowers bloom. But you know, that's uh you know, you gotta keep your eyes on the prize, and that involves taking a much more nuanced, flexible, you know, uh dynamic view of who might be an enemy and who might be an ally at any given time and stop trying to push more people away when we need to be building a coalition up.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that, that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. I think you hit on something that's really, uh, you know, it's something Cornell West has talked about before too, but the, the coalition building being something that could be done, not on like a permanent basis with a particular group but on an issue-to-issue basis, as to actually getting certain policies passed or advocating for certain things, um, you—I mean, it, it, you know—I think Cornell West he had a um, interview with uh, Brianna Joy Gray on on Bad Faith and was talking about how uh, he's worked with Louis Farrakhan on certain issues and he's worked with other organizers on other issues. It doesn't mean that he is endorsing all of their views doesn't mean that he is uh uh you know like now a part of that group it just means that he thinks and they thought at the time that this this or that policy or this or that uh initiative would be for the benefit of people who they cared about of the people who they were trying to advocate for and they worked together then and um no, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of just purity test politics generally because I think they're dumb and I don't really think anyone's all that pure generally. I mean like everyone everyone's been shitty at some point except maybe Mr. Rogers. That guy was awesome. But you know we can't all be Fred Rogers right? Like he's or Bob Ross or something and even Bob Ross was a uh, like a drill instructor, a drill sergeant and yelled at people for a long time and then felt bad and decided to paint for the rest of his life and be super calm so i i i do worry about that aspect to which people are i i think well you know i'll be frank i think there's a level of unseriousness there when it becomes just about attacking always the character of people or who they are or whatever it's that doesn't get us health care you know that doesn't that doesn't change the system uh, the only thing that changes the system is is uh, movement together to change it is concentrated action, and you don't get that just by talking shit about, you know, Cory Bush writing a book. Like, who cares? Whatever she wrote a book, congratulations, I'm proud of her. Like, it's it, You know, I don't need, I don't know when I'm. I guess I don't, I just don't understand the vitriol with that. You know.
1: Well, in, in that in that particular case, uh, you know, I mostly I lean towards your position on the matter, like what's the big deal but there is a certain degree to which uh, one of the ra- ways that they they tend to appropriate younger realistic uh, politicians is to uh, kind of throw them the trappings of right. power and celebrity and influence and before you know it they're attending the Met Gala with a designer dress that says you know eat the rich on eat the back great. and they're skipping the Amazon labor union meeting yeah. and so like a, a book deal a relatively lucrative book deal which is not what most authors get I might add like when you're a celebrity and you get a book deal like you get like billion-dollar advance or $400,000 advance or something like that, if you're a regular author, even a well-known one, you don't get that kind of a deal. Like, you get a full advance, and then, you know, it's basically taken out of your royalties, uh, you know, and then, you know, if you sell enough books, stay on the bestseller list long enough, you might make, you know, you might break six figures for the year. But it's... (laughs) So that kind of thing is something that should, at, at very like at, at very least, raised my eyebrow. But yeah. by and large, I don't see it as a big deal, or anywhere, certainly anywhere near in you know as as uh, colorblind and and uh, and and uh, tone deaf as uh, what you know what AOC did on the cover <laughs> of GQ.
0: Yeah, that was. Yeah. The the tone deafness of that is uh, was bad It was really bad and and you know the the irony of eating a, or or <laughs> eating a dress no of wearing a dress that says eat the rich at the Met Gala is you know it's it's not lost on me uh not at all but you know and and this is gonna be a weird take but I kind I it kind of sucks that AOC is so like. You know, she's got a good smile and she's so charming and everything, because then it makes it like she's going to get these opportunities to be on covers. You know, she's very marketable. Um, I wonder what would have happened if she wasn't as marketable. Am I OK? I'm, no, I'm, I mean, that's yeah,
1: that's the temptation part of it, which yeah. is, is so kind of ominous. Like there really are legitimate psychological correlates to the Faustian bargain. Okay, And like there is a degree in that particular area, you do want something more like a purity test because like there are like studies that show certainly on a smaller scale with different kinds of people, of course. But, uh, you know, that a small decision can actually permanently change, you know, your your brain chemistry, you know, your your thought patterns, your, you know, blood flow to certain areas of the brain. Uh, this is the kind of thing, like, the decision to compromise on something like that, to accept a gift, it doesn't appear to have any strings attached. Like, we know from, you know, it's, it's even in, uh, in books as simple as Cialdini's uh, Persuasion books, they talk about the reciprocity right. principle. Like, you give somebody a gift, right. there is a, kind of an automatic subconscious, um, you know, uh, compulsion of uh, of like obligation like you feel like you owe somebody something and then when they ask you for another kind of favor that's much greater than the value of the original gift people are much more inclined to say yes this is a known fact there's loads of psycholo- psychological studies right. to back it up right. so these kinds of of gifts and bribes start to change your psychology and they also start to trigger loss aversion because the notion that then these privileges get taken away uh, Mm -hmm. then becomes a powerful motivator to get these people to fall in line and i do see that being used very much against aoc because she's so marketable, like you said, and so charismatic, she's been given so many of these gifts. And I think now the change in her behavior, a huge part chunk of what's accounting for it, um, you know, cause I don't know what's in her head or her heart. I refuse to do what some people do and speculate on, on that. But one of the observable things you can see, and is clearly a contributing factor is the fact that now she's afraid of losing something that she has, right. whereas when she right. was campaigning in 2018, she was saying, "I don't care if I'm a one-term Congressperson." Well, now she very much cares yeah. how many terms she serves.
0: Yeah, and that—that that I think is absolutely uh, everything you said is valid. I mean, look, you're—you're. You're, it, it is uh, once you get to that point to where you are so concerned with the. The, your reelectability uh that you are no longer pushing things as far as they need to be pushed then you, you you've basically lost effectiveness right uh, and at that point it's weird because it, it's you know I think sometimes about I didn't come up with much of anything really um, had a really good family but you know just lived uh, we and we we had a house in but, you know, there are times where we had financial hardship and we're moving into an apartment. And then it's like it, 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 being that broke and living that way is something that I never want to go back to. You
1: no, know? I've been there for myself. Yeah, I've been actually uh, homeless. Like I was couch surfing on friends' couches for a while. No shit. Um, yeah. So, like, it, it was not for a long, long period of time, but it was absolutely miserable and humiliating and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And yeah. so yeah, I mean these these kinds of things like I, like I said I don't like loss aversion uh to, like to me is like one of the most powerful um you know things and it's also something that you need to keep in mind for any evaluation you do of you know these kinds of situations. I think that's much more salient than Uh, you know, professional managerial class status. Uh, Obviously, if you're like the super wealthy, uh, loss aversion is going to be a primary motivator for you and you're you're ungettable. But, uh, you know, in terms of evaluating, like, you know, who is, uh, you know, likely to be receptive to our message that the current system is unsustainable or the current system is you know, needs to come down and you need to, you know, stand in solidarity with a whole bunch of other people who don't look like you or even necessarily talk like you. That is, you have to look at uh, where that tipping point is, where they say, um, you know, I'm going to lose everything I have anyway, and I may as well double down and, and, you know, think more in terms of, you know my neighbors and the people near me and around me rather than just myself and right. you know that a certain that requires a certain degree of trust that your neighbors and friends and allies are going to look out for you and right. that's something i think a lot of that you know kind of uh anti solidaristic you know oh we hate the pmc talk uh kind of undermines and i think we need to be building social trust and social capital and not Tearing it down, or trying to alienate people, or persecute people, or uh, because of you know, kind of you know, immutable characteristics of right. some kind or another.
0: Right. Yeah, so, I one hundred percent agree with that. That's 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 exactly what we need to be doing. Well, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Jonathan. I really appreciate your insights, and uh, have a lovely dinner with your parents.
1: <laughs> I will all right have a
0: good one all right talk to you later bye Bye. all right up next oh we had amanda but oh it's rika now uh amanda if you want to call back in too go go ahead but um rika what's going on girl how you doing
2: hey bide um yeah i'm I'm (laughs) bummed i was really hoping amanda was gonna be in front of me
0: (laughs) oh no yeah yeah it's Um, too late this is is what it is yeah yeah how are you doing I'm good. I'm good. I'm just I'm actually a little sick, I think. Um, oh. So I'm trying to, I don't know, I took some DayQuil, hanging out, writing briefs, uh, you know, living the dream, baby, living the dream. <laughs> How's California treating you?
2: You know, it's, it's wonderful. It's okay. Kind of paradise. I okay. I'm from the Midwest. To yes. San Diego. I'm like, Oh my god! I'm never going back. I'm yeah, never going
0: back. you know, I, I went to visit Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and my first thought when I was getting on the plane back here was, "What am I doing? Like, why don't I just... <laughs> wh- why am I going back to Chicago? It's going to be like cold. It's going to suck. You know, yes. the summer's over. It was. Oh god, I really liked Long Beach. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't been, but most certainly will. Be making my way. There's just like so much to explore here, so I've just been kind of like rooting and you know, kind of in of San Diego. So,
0: yeah. Are you now? I I think you said you had a, like a friend group or something out there, or did you just I, move cold turkey, just like whatever?
2: Yeah, I knew nobody. I knew nobody. Really? I got a job. Got a job. Out Girl, out.
0: let's go. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. No. I, yeah. You couldn't keep me for one more minute. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Girl, you tried. You tried. Yeah, no, I,
2: it was out of necessity. And you know what? This isn't like no Tino shade to the Midwest because I'm a Midwestern girl at heart, like truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love Chicago. I love Minneapolis. I love Detroit. Um, it's just, you know, I paid my dues to the gold. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready for some fun in the sun. So yeah, yeah, you know.
0: we paid the cost. I think you right. know, <laughs> it's there's a, a a more than zero chance that I'll be moving out somewhere in California at some point. Shut uh, just, up. yeah. Cause you know, like I've, I've been, I mean, I've been in Illinois my whole life basically, okay. which is, you know, they're, they're, I've had enough of Lincoln. I'm done. You know, like it's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm just done. It's the same. I'm, I know every town in this motherfucking state, man. I've been, I've been all around this shit and wow. it's like corn beans and then cold. And I, I you know, don't wow. get me wrong. I love it too. There's, there's parts I love, but just that fun in the sun. I was just out there thinking, I would be, I would take so many walks yes. over here. I would That's do funny. so much more other shit. Like just, yes. just get the hell out of the house and off the computer for a little bit. And, yes. you know, I don't know. You know yes, I sit I, all day.
2: There's just, there's this also, okay, and I promise i I have something to say about
0: <laughs> this is good too. So yeah. this is, this is really important.
2: I, I have to say, there's just also something about the, lack of urgency to seize the day for the weather that like mm. plays well for, bodes well for your mental health like the fact that i know that i don't have to like figure out and arrange my life to maximize the three to four months out of the year where it's decent out, right like yeah literally, literally calms my anxiety down so much like i'm just that's like, oh, so cool. true I can chill.
0: I mean, look, like seasonal depression is a thing here oh. in the Midwest for a reason. For real. Yeah, I was looking out my window today, and it was like five thirty, and it was getting dark, and I was like, "Oh no, it's that time again!" Like yeah. it's <laughs> we're going back. Like <laughs> this sense of dread just came over me, and I'm like, "I've been, yes. I've been yes. sitting here writing, just writing on a computer, just typing, clickety clackety click, you know, just typing all day." And I look outside, and then there's no more day for me to seize, yeah. and. Yeah. I just feel suddenly like I feel the weight around my stomach more. And I can like feel, you know, I can feel my body like. Betraying you. It's, 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 yes, (laughs) yeah. It's like, fuck, how did we get here? How did this happen? But.
2: Oh my God. Yeah, it's. This is too real. real.
0: Uh, It's it's so real. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should do a show on weather and just like getting out to California. Honestly bringing people out I great. loved it though it was great I really loved it I had a great time so I, I there's a like I said a less than zero chance I go out there and Amanda I see you down there talking Oakland I did see some of that Oakland I, I'm I, well I I'm a fan I'm a fan of well I'll say that I'm a fan I'm a fan of the state I would probably be doing the Long Beach way because that, that that they had plenty of beach I'll say that they it's pr- appropriately named Rika
2: yeah I, yeah, so
0: cool. much beach for me to just. I, I can have my own little spot in yeah. that hella populated place. There's just so much beach, you just everyone gets some. So
2: that's how I feel. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, that's how I felt about, about the beaches here at San Diego. I was like,
0: yes, I just
2: can't, I just can't be, I'm especially over by the Torrey Pines. Um, okay, yeah, there's this area called uh Black's Beach, which you should google before you venture over there, but uh, um, okay, it's it's uh. It's amazing, and it's just like shit that I have never seen before. And I and I, yeah. lived, in, I lived in Puerto Rico for a little bit, so and like yeah, you know, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, though, their beaches are Puerto Rico. The beaches are better by far, better by far. Better. Really? But, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. But
2: this is like the next best thing. If I can't live there because of fucking like hurricanes and
0: right. the economy
2: that doesn't serve anybody. Yeah, it makes it like really difficult to live there. I'm just gonna live here instead.
0: So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm looking at Black Beach right now. It looks great. I'm god, I need it's another cool. vacation. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need oh, to get out, out this motherfucker. <laughs> if you're out yeah.
2: by, let me know. Holla.
0: Okay, for sure, for sure. Down. Yeah, for sure, I will. But um, what 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 are your thoughts? I know you do some organizing work, and that you've organized some more white collar workers before
2: yeah yeah Uh, yep
0: go ahead go ahead
2: so yeah and i still do i i work for a union that represents and positions and you know so i i still do and i think i so my thoughts on like and i've chimed in a bunch of times on brianna's show about this and like made my like two cents clear but i i really do feel like the pmc as an an analytical tool to understand the meaningful differences in the material, material realities of people's lives, like what, what it means to be credentialed and to be in a cushier job that isn't as physically laborious. Right. I think that is meaningful. I think that is meaningful. And I mean, as, as someone who grew up on a farm, worked on a farm, being that Midwesterner, right. Like I, acutely understand right the difference <laughs> the difference between like right. and i also worked at mcdonald's before so i had to,
0: yes girl
2: like that like, yeah so like i'm not i'm not like unaware of the reality of what it feels like to be able to sit at your computer versus having to be on your feet all day carrying something or even just dealing with horrible people who want their uh extra sauces packets for no charge you know what I right. mean like, yeah. I, get it. I get it but I, yeah. do, I do think the way that this shit is weaponized sometimes to it's like a cultural thing around like it's, it's like it's the ways in which I disagree with how people sometimes manipulate uh, white privilege as a term not to say that it's not real but like just because someone has maybe privilege doesn't mean that they ne- necessarily enact a um, behavior that is counter to your interest,
0: right? right. It's
2: not. It's not right. necessarily guaranteed. I understand the suspicion. I understand the like you know side eyeing that may happen, but it doesn't mean that they're not gonna be working within your interest necessarily and unless you're like you know one of those afro-pessimists you know that just truly believe that you know we're all fucked like you know that's your you know go ahead but like i just and in my experience in working with people who have had to organize unions particularly like i worked with this came out when i was working with faculty um in minnesota to organize a union you know it, it's not all equal up in there and you know the people who have it real good are our tenure You know are yeah the tenured <laughs> the tenured track person who's got published and who has a research get right like that's that's who's got it good. Not the person who has a PhD who's teaching a course load of like three three and they have three hundred students in each of those classes and they're not getting right. they're not guaranteed a job next year unless they get their classes full, right? And right. they're making like three to $5,000 a course that they teach. So like, right. don't, you know, like the details of that kind of shit matters. And it gets totally glossed over when people say, oh, they just label you like, oh, you're PMC, therefore you got it easy. And it's like, no, no, that's not how the world works anymore. If that were true, we wouldn't all be fighting for the cancellations, goddamn student debt right? And fighting for uh, unions, broadly speaking, you know, like, if it were true, millennials would be in mass buying homes like crazy. You know what I mean? Because we are the one of the more educated generation, comparatively speaking. Exactly. Exactly. For me, the, the fault lies in actually not, not describing something that's not meaningful, but that it it acts as if this is not dynamic. It acts as if the category in PMC, um is static and holds doctors, lawyers, um, teachers as all being these people who have access to the wealthier end of middle class or upper middle class life now. And that's not true anymore. It's just not right. true anymore. Right. So, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Especially the 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 degree to which I, I don't know if it, it takes whenever we talk about the PMC as this you know this class of people like you said like in the same way in terms of which we talk about white privilege we ignore the fact that the there's a multi sort of factorial. Amount of thing, or there's a there's a lot of different factors that are going into uh, how good or shitty this person's life is.
2: Exactly. Right? Exactly. If
0: you're if you're white exactly. in this mm-hmm. country, in, in you know in America, sure there are certain things you're just not going to be as exposed to, right? You're not going to be as exposed to you know racism generally. Uh, what it doesn't change the fact that if you're a white person living in Appalachia and you're broke. You know, it doesn't change the fact that your life fucking sucks, that the system, you know, you don't have access to a lot of the things that actually would allow you even to uh, maximize or utilize that whiteness to, I don't know, become a CEO or something or whatever, right? You just don't have access to the same kinds of things. And I think think with something that we don't talk about enough with the PMC in particular is how much they're actually – how much the squeeze is starting to hit them Uh, especially in these you know like uh, I I think doctors to me are the best example of it just because the you know their suicide rates are through the roof and yeah the residency yes uh, you know the 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 amount of pressure that they're under in residency if you hear these stories of people talking (laughs) about it it's 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 really wild. It's really really insane. wild, and Bye. it's it's yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. it's it's it's, it's, it's well, I mean, and it's crazy too because you'll you you know I I've have friends who work forty eight hour shifts, and they're supposed to be doing surgery on people, and surgery? they're sitting there. Surgery, surgery, <laughs> right? And they have to you know they have to try to take little naps, and they have to um, you know they're like. Coffeeed and adderalled out and meanwhile the person being uh you know having the surgery done is having to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for this what could be a life-saving procedure and the doctor there is hasn't slept for 48 hours it's it's maddening it's 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 crazy that these things are even allowed to happen but it's it's it, it's, it's not something that you would really – that kind of nuance or that kind of understanding of the positions is not something you would get if you just have a blanket criticism of the PMC, right? In the same way that you don't understand the true structure of um, the systemic racism or the systemic sort of issues that we have in this country with race if you just blame uh, all white people for like white – their white privilege, right? Um
2: Yes, it, it's it's the it's the way in which a class As, I mean, I, I I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm working this out loud, but I feel like there's a way in which we. This is like what Batia does, in she yeah about the working class yes the identity yes the The fetishization of the the working class class. yeah the cultural aesthetics of it all yes it's like no these are political statuses these are these economic things they do have like an actual material reality but like our emphasis should not be on the like cult like when you start getting into that cultural meaning yeah, I, It's like, it's not, I'm not saying it's not meaningless. I'm sorry for all those out there who find it really, really empowering to be a working class person. I, I find it empowering to be with other working class people, but not to identify as like, it's just not, it, like you said earlier, Biden, it's like, or I think Jonathan was saying like, you know, too, like living in those in circumstances that are difficult is not something that I want to maintain and be in. Right. Like right. That, that wasn't a thing. So I don't have this like affinity for like labor, you know, like hard labor.
0: Like, <laughs> right. No. And and even if you had the affinity for the hard labor itself, that's not even really what people like Baccia are uh, speaking to. They're speaking exactly. to the, the pure aesthetic of yeah. it, the pure, the, 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 um, Hollywood of, or the, 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 the like. Purely commodified form of what it means to be a laborer. You know, this idea of your overalls and you have your tractor and she thinks my tractor's sexy. It's complete pulp. It's, it's a complete, and, and, and what's ironic about that is that is like an elitist view of a working class person right yes. so yes. even the working yes. class person the the aesthetic that's being put upon them the idea of the definition of what it is and what it means is being driven by the same sort of capitalist elitist that is so um you know who's out here defending this aesthetic of the working class to which they uh they are fetishizing. You know, it's, it reminds me a lot of those movies like, um, you know, there was a whole period during like the 90s and the 2000s where every movie was... Uh, white teacher who goes into a black neighborhood and teaches those kids. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, you had like the Jennifer Garner one, whatever that she was. And she was like, I went into this bad school. And just that one year of me teaching and being a nice lady for whatever changed the whole systemic oppression of these little nigglets and their fucking little, you know, like, (laughs) it's like, what are we talking about? It's, it's, it's that kind of shit. You know, the blind side is another one. The like, all of this shit is like it, it's a, it's it's almost as if um it's it's complete schlock it it has no actual depth to the the truth of the circumstances of their condition and instead celebrates the um just the you know the aesthetic of it and it, it there's nothing that, i mean like there there's a there's an onion headline that I read i think this week that is somewhat applicable. Um, but it was, a. the headline was guy on doomed planet, mostly concerned with skin color of people in movies, (laughs) (laughs) which is great, right? It's fucking, it's fucking fantastic. (laughs) But you know, the people like Bacha Ungar Sargan or Bacha Ungabunga, as I like to call her, are out here (laughs) talking about how giving a benefit, like a commercial benefit or not commercial benefit, but giving a a monetary benefit to people who are being oppressed by the system is somehow offensive to the working class because uh, it goes to people who don't share that aesthetic or it it goes to people who have the aesthetic of elitism because they went to college and they're educated. Oh, they're not really working class. These people aren't being squeezed by capitalism like you are. And you know what? You should feel uh bad or you should you should be mad that some of the people who are being squeezed by capitalism and maybe being squeezed by capitalism less than you are getting a benefit that you're not getting because you weren't educated it's like no that's 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 you being concerned with the the skin color of people in movies like you're yes. missing the you're missing the yes. point here yes. you're missing yes. the fact that we're a doomed planet and yes. and and that is that's what's so frustrating about some of these conversations sometimes is it seems like people, uh, you know, like the, with the Cory Bush one in particular, uh, it's uh, – and I don't know all the circumstances around it. So I may be speaking out of turn, but when people are just talking like, hey, uh, you can't publish a book because we don't like you. It's uh, – or it's why are you publishing a book? So dumb. It's, it's It's so dumb. dumb. It's, it's silly. So dumb. And I, I don't understand the point of that. And I don't understand how that – advances our cause, our common cause.
2: It, yeah. I, 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 um, what I wanted to say was when you said, mentioned the movies from the nineties of the white teacher goes to school, I was thinking of dangerous minds. Oh <laughs> that yes. That. that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, you're, um, you're absolutely right. And I feel like I don't, um, I just don't really have a lot of patience for, this stuff anymore you know I, I just don't I, I struggle with it. well especially too because I feel like the way this PNC discourse with its emphasis on culture is is uh, making it exacerbating the push of the particularly white working class to the right because it feeds this notion that they don't share it just it hardens that divide that the liberal coast elites who are college educated are out to get you and yeah i don't think we if you're a leftist if you're a leftist in my opinion and i don't think bata is a leftist and i i would Yeah no, she's I, she.
0: i i would day, die on that hill
2: i know i know i will, yeah. I, will, I like i like the day i get to see her in public because i
0: I'm you just, throwing I'm hands like, <laughs> I'm, going in. I'm going in that's the only point that's the only i've ever been like i you are not she, a leftist i i, I cannot stand okay. i cannot stand the fact that she fucking calls herself a leftist it, it really bothers me I'm gonna. it really you does it so hard yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but bring shank I, for that one
2: I just, yeah, I just think like, why, why are we doing that? Why are you, why are you playing into this narrative when what we really should be doing is complicating and expanding the idea of who the working class is to be about that 99% to talk very pointedly about how, and going back to Cori Bush, how she is an anomaly. She's an anomaly, you know, and you can say, I, she, is she captured? I don't freaking know. Here's what I think: when I look at her and I see her, I see someone who is trying to figure out how to survive in a political terrain that didn't want her to be there to begin with, you know. And she's hmm. probably made some really poor choices along the way, some really yeah. ones that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, especially if you're rooted, if you're rooted in community and in movement work, right? You, I would, I, I do question some of the choices that her and some and something someone like AOC has done, but. You Know to go to, to, go to ASU because a lot of people love to hate on ASU, they really do. Love, they really do. Love, love,
0: love. There's and there's so many reasons for it. And I, I, you know, frankly, I think a lot of people because she's good looking, young, all no. kinds of stuff going on, like that plays a role in it too. Like some of the criticisms that uh, some of these old Republican men have had of her are just like, dude, just admit you want to fuck her and just move on. Like it's, 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 it's fucking, it gets weird with some of the ways that people will like criticize her, not to say, but there's a lot of them that are valid too, but it's
2: mind I'm not saying mind critiques blooming. aren't valid. Yeah. That is not, people can critique and critique and critique all day long. That's not the issue. That's no. what, the issue is what is the critique?
0: yes why? there you what go church? baby what you that's saying? it oh
2: what you substance so you like, yes like i think it's appropriate to be like aoc why the fuck are you voting for this bill that's giving money to ukraine
0: yeah
1: what are you
2: doing what are you doing bro like but i don't think, i don't think her wearing that met gala thing like that's her tr- trying to make a statement when she's being visible. You don't. You may not agree with her activism, but yeah. Like, that's not the most serious thing, boo. Like
0: I get it. I get it. Know. That one though. The more I think about it, when you could have been at the Amazon labor union strike, but then that's you go it to the Met Gala. That's fine. That's the part like, that I'm like, Ugh. whatever. Like, you know, Ew, uh, what are you doing? That
2: is, like, I think yeah. that's fine. But to sit, okay. She was the only person that was going in, going in after she got elected initially, right? That's true. That, that was happening. And I, I just feel like, I feel like what happened, I'm, this is just Rika's analysis of what happened with AOC. I think January 6th happened. And between that and Pelosi,
1: she
2: mm-hmm. got terrified of yeah. what could happen to her and the people in her life. And I think she got some real shit and she's like, Oh, I have to be a little bit more careful and calculated with how I'm navigating this because there's some house of cards shit happening here. That's what I think. Yeah. I
0: think, I think, I think that's correct. I think there's a lot of that that had affected her. Look, it's clear that January 6th had a big effect on her. It's clear that um, a lot of these sort of comments and everything, online that she's gotten, which were directed towards her like race or gender, or these threats that she gets have affected her perception of people generally, uh, and what she thinks the the biggest threats are. And uh, I also think that, look, I I do think that it's important if you're a politician, or if you're somebody who is going to represent people that you can't be too divorced from the people that you represent. Mm -hmm. You got to be in those neighborhoods, you got to be there. You got to remember you, you, it, right. it, it is what connects you. So you don't forget where you come from, yeah. you know, like I'm real happy for certain people getting out. Don't get me wrong. Like chief Keefe, I'm proud of you. Like stay out. Don't come back to old block. Like do not come back. You don't, you escape when you escape that kind of violence and everything, when you escape that kind of trauma or whatever, sometimes it is better just to remember how it felt And then figure it out from there, but not keep living in it. But like for someone like, you know, AOC or something, it's, you're surrounded, you're in a town where everything is politics and where so many people's political takes are so divorced from the reality of situations that are just being faced by everyday Americans. It's all this dumb little extra, you know, like media cycle shit. It's all these bullshit ass questions a bunch of dumbass motherfuckers just being dumb with each other and being you know whatever and that will affect you over time that will affect you you know like shit i hang out with lawyers but not all the time because i ain't trying to always be like that you know right. like I, yeah. I i get yeah. enough i get enough of that i need people who yeah. remind you of of what it is to just be a human being outside of that outside of those circles and if you're If you don't have those reminders, too, and you have now have this perception of everyone is out to get me. And look, a lot of people are out to get AOC. She does get a a disproportionate amount of hate from especially from Republicans. It's crazy how much hate she gets. I I don't understand it. It's 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 wild. I guess she's just the it girl or something. But like I I could see how that mess up your ability to. You know, accurately represent your constituents, but at the same time, like we're a representative democracy. We're supposed to be for a reason. Like, get yeah. out. Like, yeah. it, it's yeah. it's the holding on to that position. Like, honestly, I think the best thing politicians do, if they're ever going to do it, is get in and get the fuck out. Get out. Like, yeah, exactly. that's it. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's make it attempt. Make it treat it like almost like an internship or whatever. Right. Like, treat it like something that you know is not permanent. Yeah just do the thing you got to do and then dip. And, and, you know, I, I, I have these criticisms of Bernie too, even though he's been the most like, uh, you know, he's, he's been the most consistent throughout his career. He's for the most part voted pretty well on a lot of things, except, you know, the weapons to Ukraine again, which is, this is just a whole other quagmire that we've gotten ourselves into and it's just getting worse now and, you know maybe we'll do an episode on that but honestly i i like to listen to people smarter than me about everything going on in ukraine cuz i it's it's just a shit show at this point and it's it's a shit show with nukes on the line so yeah. whatever um but even if you look at bernie and you look at how he's you know his willingness to capitulate in situations where he it's really questionable if he should have the, the third party run opportunity that he could have had both in 2016 and 2020. It, it seems odd for you to still be loyal to some extent to a democratic party that's made it pretty clear that they don't want you there. Uh, you know, it, it seems odd to trust Joe Biden that he's going to keep his promise of the $15 minimum wage when, I mean, you, you know how this goes, Bernie. People are just going to say what they want to say to get you to do what they want you to do. And then they're not going to, you know, nothing's going to change. Fundamenta- or nothing's going to fundamentally change. So it's a, I don't know. But, I, I, don't but know. I,
2: think, I don't think these situations are, in my opinion, explainable by saying that, oh, they're from the professional manager class. That's but that's exactly
0: right. That's exactly, they, right. You know,
2: that's exactly think, it. No, it's way more complicated than that. They are in, re- they're and I, I and to be honest, I don't know if I would put politicians in the PMC necessarily. they That's just a political class, like yeah, like they're separate, distinct in terms of capitalism in my opinion. but I, yeah, I think, yeah, um, I, I think we're gonna like move forward and organize people into any type of movement that fights for a world that is better than what we currently have we are always going to need more people than not so we gotta see even if the even if you don't trust the pmc even if you think that they're all fucked and you believe there's like some essentialist identity behind that category then you still gotta organize them
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you still still need them You you still you still gotta get them that's right and we'll uh, we'll talk more about organizing the PMC in a future episode, Rika. Yeah. just a a, uh, a little teaser for all y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, always a pleasure to talk to you, Rika.
2: Likewise, Brian. Take it easy. Yeah.
0: Man. Yeah. Thanks for calling. All right. Up next, we got Amanda. Amanda, what's going on? How you doing?
3: Hey bud I dropped out for, so that Rika could go first. Yeah,
0: you know. I thought so. Always
3: oh so. so entertaining.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she's, I didn't she's I didn't
3: mean to special. to get her ca- caught off guard, but you know. I wanted to let her go Because, you know, entertainment, it's a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, big time thing. Big time thing. How you so be? uh I'm good. I'm good. I'm just I'm a little sick, like I said. Uh but I'm good, you know. I'm just chilling. Got a lot of work this week, and then next week, and then probably the week after that, and then probably the rest of my life until I die. Uh, yeah, see, that, that's doing why I good.
3: don't. I don't like the. I I kind of don't like the working class as a as a as a name because yeah. I think there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who will say they're middle class, and they are absolutely not by the definitions that are put out by the government, right? Yeah, And people don't want to consider themselves, like, working class because in our culture, it's so looked down <laughs> upon that, like, I mean, right, right now, I'll tell you right now, with all the people in this room and knowing you're going to publish this, right now, I'm on SNAP benefits. And when I was a kid, the kids at school that were on food stamps, man, they were like it, – it was like they were like yeah. – over there and it yeah, was kids a are, stigma
0: kids are fucking brutal vicious. with that shit too vicious 100 percent. It's, it's messed up yeah but yeah. you shouldn't and...
3: be demonized because you're poor
0: <laughs> you know you shouldn't here, here's not only should you not be demonized because you're poor you shouldn't like everyone should just have food you know what i mean like there's certain things that like There are certain and, and, you know, I know SNAP benefits it, uh, you know, allows you to get food and everything. But like there are certain things that we should just all agree that we're just entitled to these things as we have them uh, as as we have these forces of production, which are capable of creating these things. These there are certain problems that just shouldn't exist, Um, especially not in a rich country. Especially not in the rich country, especially not in the richest country. It makes no sense. And, you know, I, I totally agree with you when it comes to the middle class and how people – well, both how people want to think of themselves as middle class and not working class, but also to the degree to which that distinction really between middle and working class, are there some distinctions? Yes. But the middle class in this country uh, is getting screwed to and here's here's the truth of it this is what makes you middle class in this country this is what makes you middle class um you can pay your bills on time uh maybe go out to a show every now and again and you could take one vacation a year but
1: for those other 360 days
0: exactly right right those other 360 days or those other 355 days you're fucking working bitch Get your fucking middle class ass! What are you doing, you middle class bitch, you mid ass bitch? Get your ass into that goddamn uh, widget factory where you are overseeing the widgets of other people who are working on the widgets and make that money, or go sell that insurance, you dumb shit. Like that's <laughs> that's the middle class in this country. Okay, there's no there's no maternity leave. Like, what are you doing? You're trying to raise your children? Fuck you. Go over there and sell me some insurance, you piece of shit. That's the middle class in this country, right? That's that's how I always envision. That's that's kind of how their lives are. Well, it's, you sure just...
3: don't want to claim lower class for heaven's sake. I mean, really? Oh, no. Why would no. you? And if you know you're not upper class, then you've got to do something, and you don't want to be a worker because I don't want to be thought of as just what I do to make to make money. Which is what That's, most yeah. people think of when they think about – they think about a job and not the fact that I'm contributing
0: I've, to the culture,
3: I've, to the society, I, I, to whatever.
0: A hundred percent. I mean I think there's, there's a, a sickness to some extent to how – and I find myself doing this too, so I'm not holier than thou. But whenever you meet someone and the first thing you say or one of the first things you say is, what do you do? It's like, bitch, I exist. You know, like I it's a weird question when you think about it, because always, too, I, I, I really started noticing it, though, honestly, Amanda, when I once I graduated law school and I started practicing and people would ask me, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I'm a lawyer. And their affect towards me would just change like snap. They would suddenly people are treating me like I'm somehow either more important than I am or that I was like less or you know people would be like oh big shot mr lawyer and i'm like no what the fuck like no like it, it, at this point it's easier to be like what do you do oh i like to uh play video games and then every once in a while i like to play drums and pretend i can play drums and i like music it, like what do you, it's just a weird we reduce so much of like value that. Yeah, it should I want be to normalize
3: answering the question with something that is not what their job or the the, the money bringing in thing is that I do. hundred percent. I totally think of that. Now, I mean, now all I, of that I, said, I I am, I am the title of this show. I am a a white lady. I am fifty two. I was a high school teacher. I worked for an accounting. I work for the accounting department in a giant law firm in LA and and I've been an elected official and, oh, and a dancer, but that part yeah. doesn't really go with the PMC. So that just gives me the like, I do know, I do know, I do know what it is to be struggling. It is the best part because it taught yeah. me a lot about people and it taught yeah. me a lot about myself and like how to say no (laughs) yeah, and how to say yes in the right way you know you learn a lot you learn and I I collected I don't know at the time I could probably say thank you and a toast in 25 languages at one point I can tell you three now probably but maybe more but but being a high school teacher in New Orleans was a real eye-opener for me, having grown up in the Bay Area and going to high school in Oakland. You know, it's 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 a whole different universe. I mean, I went from Chico State, which is in the county with the largest KKK chapter in the country. Oof. So f- f- straight from there to Tulane University in, in right. the whitest place in the blackest city, I think. Not intentionally. Yeah. I didn't realize how much, of a, how much of a white person I was until I lived in New Orleans. And then I didn't understand it until I lived in California again for another 10 years or so. And even still, only two years ago when I moved back to Oakland, I've learned more about how much my life has been charmed and why it's why I keep trying to instigate things on, on here to try and actually do real stuff because I know it can be done. I've seen it done and there's a yeah. lot of really smart people and I like being on this call. I also know other people like being on this this app and that's – I think it's a it's an opportunity for all of us to see we're not alone, that we're all kind of working on things to try and make it better. Yeah. Even Even yeah. in our misery when we have to vent all the bullshit –
0: uh, you see, if that was your response when someone said, what do you do? I think that'd be pretty uh-huh. tight. Although we'd probably have really long conversations <laughs> all the time, honestly. But, you know, <laughs> like, how do, how do you summarize that just into, you know, like the, into like an elevator pitch or whatever, you know? I
3: don't think I, you need I, I, an elevator I, pitch.
0: Right, right. I don't think you should need one. But when I, I guess one of the things that bothers me about, just blanket criticisms like essentialist criticisms as as rika was pointing out is the you take away all the nuance of the person of the the humanity of the person underneath and not just that but like you you can inaccurately diagnose assholes or people you know you can inaccurately sort of diagnose somebody Uh, look like a pmc I mean I mean just take take an example of like a PMC who is you know there just because they're there. I don't know, like they're maybe I I work with some people who they're like the fourth generation of lawyers in their family, which to me is insane. Like how how did that line not go extinct? Like how are you guys still doing this over and over again? How? I like it it seems improbable. But and then there are people who Uh, you know, the first generation doctor who are just trying to make things work. And the kinds of sympathies and identifications that those people are going to have could be different. And to put both of them in the category of, you know, rich asshole who doesn't want to do anything for anybody and doesn't believe in a revolution, I think is a mistake. It's a mistake, especially when you're a movement that depends on mass mobilization. I... uh, I always go back to the Engels Marx example, you know. I do think it's. I think there's something really important about the fact that Marx was able to do all his Marx shit basically because Engels was just funding him and saying yes, this is good, keep it going. Like, and I'm not saying that you know, like, like I'm not trying to say that funding models always work out. I mean, God, we just saw the whole Katie Halper Hill thing that happened which really uh they really messed up badly with that uh but it would be it would be hard for me to call Frederick Engels anything other than you know like someone who is an ally to or an instrumental part of trying to create a communism trying to name the system of 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 explaining socialism of of trying to get trying to spur a revolution.
3: Can I offer a thought about this whole PMC thing? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an old fart, so I'm not always up on what's happening. And I, and I don't work in corporate culture, so I'm not always up on what's happening. But PMC seems to me like a whole other designation. Like, it wasn't, it was, it, now, this is easily me showing my ignorance, and I and I fully admit that but I'd never heard BIPOC before, like five years ago, maybe. maybe.
0: Yeah, that one's that pretty and, new, actually. And I'm not the, the...
3: saying that it wasn't used. It is a newer term, right? So as PMC, I think any of these labels, it allows us to depersonalize the individuals that are part of that group, and it ser- further serves to divide the 99%. The fact exactly. that that, exactly. that PMCs and the working class are now somehow at loggerheads, which is not true, by the way. It's not true on right. the ground. It's true in the media, but it's not true on the ground. Right. There's right. not some big, there's not, the working class is not going to rise up against the PMC. Because the working class is smarter than that. They know the PMC is not the enemy. They might have to run over them if they don't get their heads on straight, like right. sometimes <laughs> the the Gen X folks. I mean, I'm just going to say, I mean, I'm yeah. speaking for, for a class of people that I kind of belong to. You know, yeah. <laughs> I kind of know these people. And, and, and I will say this, too. You will definitely, you're definitely a Southern California guy.
0: Yeah, I can tell. I tell. Now that I think I now tell. that
3: I think yeah. about it more. I mean, I was I'm a, I'm a California native. I mean, apologies to the to the actual Native Americans. I mean, my 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 family bought land that was stolen from Native Americans, but I'm a native Californian from that perspective. Yeah. And 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 I was raised in the Bay Area and goddamn it, we were raised to hate LA cuz they were going to steal all our water. So <laughs> there is a current yeah, certain kind rights. of person that la is la is very 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 so, um conscious wait, wait digital, you calling me a
0: conscious hold up though man are you calling me a, a motherfucking water thief is that what you're calling No, me?
3: you're not you here yet of, are you
0: the, <laughs> 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 you think i'm the type of type of dude to come in and just snatch your water up <laughs>
3: No, I think it I think that I think the right in front of of that would come in and that would come in and double plumb your house just to piss me off. <laughs>
0: I don't even know what double forming a house is. I don't even, I've never even heard of that. Double form a house?
3: Okay, so w- double what is double plumb. Dual double plumbing plum? is when you, Yeah, dual plum. Like okay. the water. So like in your two house, delicious
0: Ripe plums? Yes. Two different, two different two different
3: two okay. different pipes. One of the pipes is for is for actual drinking water and the other pipe is for like flushing your toilet or washing your clothes. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be as it doesn't have to be treated as too high a quality. You can use okay. it for irrigation. So if your house is dual plumbed, it means that you use a lot less water. It's kind of rare and the way the building code is currently constructed, uh, constituted, it's a pain in the ass no matter where you are in this country. Okay. But um it is a thing you can do.
0: Is that like a bad thing? Or is it just like No it's a good thing. Oh look at the It okay. saves
3: water. It saves oh, water.
0: So so I'm so we, I'm the type to double. Water. Okay. Okay. Yeah,
3: dual. Dual. Dual like 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 sword duel
0: Dual, okay. Like I Single challenge dual. you to a duel Okay.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I'm just telling you I
3: really wish this app had a way for me to send you a picture of what's going on out my window right now because I would so much and you would so love it so I think the guy in the car must be a local because I kind of recognize the car but he's talking to a girl who's in the middle of the street wearing um, some really disco type super hot pants like like a skimpy top and Oh, but okay. Appara- she's doing appara- her thing. Apparently the price apparently the price wasn't right. He drove off. Now she's in the intersection again.
0: Ah, uh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. Uh
3: no, uh, you know, you know, I you gotta you gotta give it to good judgment. Sometimes you just gotta say no when it's not right the right the right gig. You
0: know? Oh, that's a hundred percent. I mean look, it, it, yeah, you absolutely That's whether you're on that.
3: the street or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Street life. Yeah, that's how you know, it goes, though. I, I totally um, love
3: talking to you, by <laughs> I totally love talking, yeah, I love talking to you, too. but I, I a, am a gonna. Lot of, uh... I, I am gonna. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for tonight, and and I I always love to see your show on. I'm sorry that I was late tonight because I because I don't like to miss any of it. But
0: no, no worries. It's, go, nice,
3: go it's nice to hear hang you. Out with the and I loved you on Brianna. Cool. No, oh, I can't. Then yeah. I, I look like a mama.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, there, there's milfs oh, are here come thing, two more so. girls.
3: Here come two more girls. They got like, they got fuzzy slides on.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: I just love okay, the, like yeah, total like strip stripper costume and the like and the like furry fuzzy flats. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, a, I mean it's you're a on
3: the street. I don't wanna wear heels.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Whatever. No matter. Never makes it's you come a vibe.
3: It. I'm down to kicking my shoes off, I guess is what that says.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh what's your passion? Cool. Well, what's
3: your passion this week? What's your passion this oh, week? Oh,
0: this week? I don't know. What is mm-hmm. my passion this week? I'm gonna go um visit my mom and my brother, actually. He's he's uh Got like a grad school friends and family weekend. So, we're going to go out there uh, to Connecticut and go see him. So, that'll be fun. That'll be really cool. Nice. Have some seafood, just chill, you know, hang out, do whatever you do in Connecticut. I, I've never been there, so I'm, I don't know what's going on there. Oh. If you if all got uh, suggestions for cool shit to do in Connecticut, you know, hit me up. Let me know. We're looking. Yeah, I don't know anything years?
3: about Connecticut. So, yeah, this is my new foster cat, Frida.
0: Oh, that's cool. Frida? Oh, great name. <laughs> all right.
3: Yeah, cool. Frida. Yeah, Frida-Lay. Yeah. frida Okay.
0: <laughs> I like that. I will yeah.
3: talk. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Do you take care of yourself, uh, all right?
0: Yeah, you do the same. All right, Amanda. Take care. Cool. well. I think we learned a lot today, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, and those that lie betwixt. Oh, July's calling in. You know what? Yeah, let's talk to July, too. July, what's going on? Welcome to the front Hampton Inn Suites. How you doing?
4: Hey, bye. (laughs)
0: Hey.
4: On a really stupid note.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I love that.
4: I mean, not that you have to end. Okay, so on the Bree show the other night, and y'all were talking about PMC, and I... Didn't know what that was, as I often don't. So I was looking it up and so <laughs> to give you the top eight things that I was trying to figure out if it was that.
0: Okay, After perfect.
4: The, number eight was private military contractors. And Ooh, I, I guess
0: could, that be. could be.
4: What you all were talking about. And then yeah. number seven, preventative maintenance checks. That's like uh, a car thing. So that seemed unlikely.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: Number Six was precious metal clay.
0: Ah, uh, of course. Precious metal clay. Yes. The uh, first of all, what the fuck? I'm sorry, <laughs> what is how do you have precious metal and it's clay? Is well, that a
4: thing? It, it's some sort of thing from the earth, you know? Well, okay. It's got a PMC title to it, so.
0: Okay, I'm writing this down because I'm going to look at that immediately after this.
4: All right. Precious well, metal clay. There's a couple more good ones. Number yeah. five. Is a pod music countdown?
0: Okay, that seems made up. That one I've never heard ever okay. in my life.
4: It does, though.
0: It does. It does.
4: And number four is the Pokemon Pokemon Mystery Club.
0: Oh fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay, the po-
4: he <laughs> is prolapsing my colon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, cool. Once you're done with the Pokemon Mystery Club, you can uh, help me in prolapsing my colon. Uh, We could get that going on.
4: All right, number two is a post-meal cigarette.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I went outside. He had just prolapsed my colon after Pokemon Mystery Club. I took out a cigarette for my post-meal cigarette and took a drag. The rain was falling. I don't know. That's great. I love that.
4: (laughs) And the number one is because at first I thought you said PNC instead of PMC. Okay. The funniest one of all when I thought it was PNC is post nut clarity. Of
0: course. Post (laughs) nut clarity. The greatest.
4: (laughs) Do you know what that
0: is? (laughs) Oh, I, I, sadly I do July. Sadly. I do. It's ba- it's when you look down after all the business is finished and you go, what have I done?
4: Business. Sex business,
0: It's, it's okay. So I'll try to explain it. Basically, if you're all the blood from your body actually goes down into your wee wee and you get, you get all ooga booga and you get all cave manny. And then you go, you do the deed, and then once you're done, your thoughts return to you. And you go, holy shit, did I, that, I, why am I covered in semen? That's, that's that's how it goes.
4: I have post-nut clarity. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness.
0: Yes, yes, it's, it's, look, it, it, everyone needs to learn it, okay? It's, it's, uh, it is uh probably you know what? Maybe the whole show should have been about post nut clarity. It yeah. is realer than the PMC. That's right. That's right, Rika. It is realer. It is the it is the most you know what? They they'll tell you sometimes. Um, if you're gonna make a big decision as a guy, uh go handle your business real quick and then think about it again once you're done. Like figure out if that's really the decision you want to make, you know, have that clarity that you get from that post-nut, but that is hilarious. July, was this your first time hearing of post-nut clarity?
4: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not in like a concept, but called it.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's uh, well, it's, I'm so glad you did the research for it and thank you for sharing that list too. That was my favorite list. That's fantastic. So.
4: (laughs) I, I feel like I'm finding my niche. No, I always I, have a segment that kind of helps explain things from a different angle.
0: Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Like, you know what? It would be great if the last call, you could have like a list or something. At the end, we just do a listicle of shit. And then there it is. And that that's how we end the episodes is with that fun thing. I, I really like that, actually. So thank you for, for contributing that. I love that.
4: You're welcome, Biden. This has been July signing off.
0: (laughs) Thank you, July. All right, take care. All right, everybody. Well, look, you heard it. Uh, You have the PMC. But maybe before we apply a blanket critique, well, let's go back a little bit. Talk about the PMC. Talk about where their interests actually align, who they are. And whether or not they're actually allies or not, whether or not it's actually okay to uh, you know, talk about or, or, or to spend our time criticizing the PMC or not, uh, the answer is really, it depends. A blanket sort of analysis or a blanket sort of essentialization of the PMC is uh, both ineffective and uh, just not useful. The understanding that we need to build a mass movement requiring a lot of us and understanding that many in the PMC are being squeezed in the same ways by the same sort of systems of capital that working class people are, and understanding how we can build coalitions around that, super important. Now, we're not saying the PMC doesn't have it better a lot of the times than anyone else, but that's not the point the point is not we're not dealing here with a politics of envy or a politics of of haves and or, or relative haves and relative have-nots or whatever what we're dealing with is a system that will that is simply unsustainable unless we find a way to move together uh finding a way to move together on different issues is the kind of coalition building we need to do it's not just the uh, it's not a purity politics test it 's what can we get done? And who will help us get it done for issue by issue or movement by movement that should be the standard. that should be the test and <clears throat> look if you think the p and if you think the p m c is the most evil sort of class, if you think that the majority of leftist critiques should be aimed at the p m c as opposed to like the ownership class as opposed to the people who are owning the means of production and doing nothing but rent-seeking, if you think that the PMC is, in a blanketly applied way, your worst enemy, then you need to get yourself some PNC and then rethink it. Okay? And as you heard, PNC is post-nut clarity. Just get it out. Get it out your system, return to this, and then think with the kind of nuance that that clarity provides you with. It's a gift. Okay. Awesome. Anyway, that's a socialist dream. Thank you for joining us this, uh, this week on the Fred Hampton Inn Suites and take care.